Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So the this these uh, I just want to bring everyone up to speed because I think these next four sessions is we're really when we're really going to get into the meat of things, into the thick of things. So just to recap, the first two sessions were really just introductions, but I think these next four sessions are really going to get into the thick of things here. The first session we highlighted, and it was before the interactive activity, and that is a, is a mic okay? The, this is not bothering anyone here? Okay. So um, the first session was just to highlight, as a reminder, we know this, but every single believer faced tests, trials, and tribulations, and there's no exception to this rule contrary to sometimes our own belief and experience in life. And this, was, this is established through the Qur'an, and this is honestly just established through common day-to-day -day communication. Uh, when we did that first interactive activity, I think we all realized that, subhanAllah, people do go through some difficulties, and uh, everyone's difficulty is, is, is different. The reason that we don't appreciate this is because, especially in this day and age, people like to highlight and talk. Honestly, this is human nature in general. We like to highlight the positive things in our lives and share those with others, and we try to highlight those things in our life that we don't want others to know about. And while this always existed through the history of man, it's become easier to share those positive things in this day and age because everything has become more public. Our vacations are now public. Our dinners with our family are now public. The smiles that we have with our spouses and our pictures are now able to become more public. So when we as human beings see everyone having such quote-unquote positive experiences, we wonder why is it that I'm the only one that's going through this difficulty? Why is it that I'm the only one? So although it's always been human nature to want to share those things that are positive, it's now become so easily, it's become so easy to share those positive things that we now begin to wonder why is it that I'm the only one that's experiencing difficulty. The next session we talked about the few reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges the believer. We mentioned that number one, it's a source of purity and as every single difficulty a believer experiences a means for them to be purified from their sins so that when we meet Allah on the Day of Judgment, we can show up at His doorstep without, sin on our, without the burden of sin on our shoulders. The second we mentioned, does anyone remember the second reason we, we mentioned? Well, that was actually, that was the second reason. The first reason was because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes for our trials to be hastened in this world as his love for us so that we don't have to experience trial and tribulation in the akhirah. And the third is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mechanism by which he can elevate our status and our rank in his eyes is through difficulty because the reward and the benefit that comes from a Muslim experiencing trial and tribulation with patience, with sabr, which we haven't yet touched on in detail, which we haven't yet discussed in detail, with patience, that reward and that benefit far supersedes what you and I could do with our deeds and our own um, efforts, on our, with our own regular efforts in terms of ibadah. Okay, so now we're all up to speed. Now we're going to get into some, um, some, some more depth here. So he, he's going to continue. So he says, however, dear friends, the divine wisdom... Spiritual realities and mysteries that lie behind human suffering are constantly being made apparent to the arifin, the knowers of Allah, in this very life. As a result of the continuous manifestation of divine realities upon their hearts, the arifin no longer perceive various hardships and sufferings as tribulations. They instead, they instead see them as divine bestowals upon them. So what uh, Hakim al-Ummah is mentioning here is, first of all, he's introducing this idea that, look, there's different categories of people. And amongst the various categories or stations of people in their relationship with Allah, one of the, most, one of the highest of these 
is those people that are known as the Arifin. And honestly, it could be anyone from, I mean, one of us could be from amongst that. We don't know. Or, or at least, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for us to judge other people's states with Allah. The Arifin are those who recognize Allah through His perfect attributes while recognizing their own human deficiencies. Meaning, a true knower of Allah will never know Allah. Right? We obviously, we accept that. We'll never truly know Allah. But we know what He's told us through His attributes. And the Arifin are those individuals, Arafa, Ya'rifu means to know. That's what it means literally. The Arifin are those people that know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a unique way through His attributes. They don't have any special, you know, wahi, but they, through His attributes. These individuals put into perspective the reality of whom Allah, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and the reality of our own deficiencies and they can make sense of this. What do I mean by this, right? So someone who is at the station recognizes that I am nothing and Allah is everything. I have zero power whatsoever and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-powerful. Allah ta'ala is the one who created and I uh, created and I am creation. And if Allah ta'ala chose for there not for me not to come into existence, I wouldn't be in existence. If Allah ta'ala chose for there not to even be a world for human beings to exist in, then none of us would be in existence. Now that's a very powerful thing if you think about it. So that, now we, academically we understand this, the Arifin truly internalize this principle. Meaning that when things happen in the world, they realize and they recognize that this is by the design of something else or someone else. Right? Because I don't have the ability to control. There is something else, there's someone else, there's some being that's behind all of this and I'm fully willing to accept that. And I know it because these are uh, because this is, what, this is what my relationship with Allah has now become. Right? So it's interesting because, uh, let me just read this again. So, however, dear friends, the divine wisdom, spiritual realities, and mysteries that lie behind human suffering are constantly being made apparent to the Arifin, the knowers of Allah in this very life. As a result of the continuous manifestation of divine realities upon their heart, the Arifin no longer perceive various hardships and sufferings as tribulations. They instead see them as divine bestowals. Meaning, they recognize that if this general idea that is that Allah is merciful and He is loving toward His creation, and that's what He wants, now anything that Allah gives is not going to become a gift. Why wouldn't it be that I would receive with happiness and with open arms any difficulty? You know, the Sahaba would fall under this category. It's said about the Sahaba that they, were, they used to do istiqbal of, of difficulties. Meaning, it was like they used to receive them and welcome them. Because they knew that this was something from my Allah. And whatever Allah gives me, I'm willing to accept it. Not willing to accept it, I'm going to happily accept it. Because this is His design. I'm not in charge. I don't have any control. If I, tried, if I lift one foot off the ground, I can't lift the other foot off and keep it up. What control do I have? Right? I don't have very much control at all. He is Rabb and we are Marbub. He is the Lord and we are, just, we, we are, uh, we are uh, subservient to His will and desire. I mean, it's so extreme. And extreme, I mean in, in, in a normal way. That literally, if Allah Ta'ala at this moment said, okay, the universe needs to stop existing. That's it. All of us would vanish and disappear and none of us would exist. And the entire world would just disappear in an instant. That's how much power and qudra Allah has. So where does that leave us? So the Arifin understand this idea that look, Allah is designing everything. Now, we, we have this concept, you know, it's silly, but we have this concept with certain things. And we have this full faith and trust in things of this world. You know, for instance, some people have this, this faith in Apple products, right? Where it's like, look... You know, even if it's like they come out with a new iPhone and for some reason it's not letting me swipe, you know, up after going down and I can't figure out why and I'm wondering why is it. But then we think, but look, 
guys, Apple designed this. So there must be a reason why they did this. I'm not going to question it. I'll figure it out later, right? We do this with Costco. You know, it's like uh, if Costco has something on the shelf, we assume, look, if Costco's selling it, then it's a quality product. I don't need to question it any further, right? They've already done all their research. They've already designed. This is, we've, we, we established this degree of trust with so many other things in our life, with certain cars and things like that, certain builders for homes. We're like, look, if they designed it this way, we just have to accept that this is the best way to do it. But when it comes to Allah and his design of the sequence of events in this world, we become a little bit uncomfortable and wonder, well, why, would, why should this happen to people? Why should this flood come upon a community? It doesn't make sense. Rather than us thinking, look, if Allah chose the master planner and designer who has designed everything, has designed this to occur, this sequence of events to occur in this particular time and place, well, he's the master of the universe. He knows what's best, right? What, who am I to question and challenge these things when I won't even question these, these simple things in my own life? If Allah Ta'ala has caused the life to be taken away of a young child from a family, a very difficult, a very difficult experience, who am I to question? This is Allah, he's a master planner. So he's, this is what he's highlighting here. Now let's continue the commentary. A clear example of this may be found in the story of Musa salam and Khidr uh, salam in Surah Al-Kahf. The story shows us the story shows us that there is much more to the events of our lives than what appears superficially. Look, there's what Surah Al-Kahf, we're not going to go into the details here, but this story is a must-read when it comes to understanding this discussion. Because what Allah is highlighting to us in this, especially in, this, in the second part of the, of the surah, where he talks about Musa and Khidr, is for us to understand this general concept and idea that he knows what's best and we don't know. He knows and we don't know. That is why this entire instance is narrated in the Qur'an. Right? For example, and again, we're not going to go into detail, but understanding that there was Musa and Khidr were on a ship. And Khidr is, uh, is, is, is basically built, uh, creating a hole within the ship so that it can sink. And the inhabitants of the ship you know, can now become affected by it. And Musa is asking to Khidr, why would you do this? Right? Why would you do this? Uh, and then what, of course, what ends up happening? Eventually, Khidr later says in the story, much later in Surah Al-Kahf, That look, further down the stream, there are these pirates or people that are basically taking the, the ships of other people. And if they see a nice, well-kept ship, they're going to take it from these people who are masakin, they're poor. So I'm creating this hole so that it creates this appearance of a defect in the ship and they no longer will want to take the ship from me, from, from these poor people and they'll let them go and say, go on you know, down the path. Meaning we don't always know. We don't always know why things happen, right? In another instance in the same surah where Khidr had uh, killed a child, right? The same, Musa is thinking, how could this be, how is this happening? Murder. Murder is unacceptable. Now, obviously, murder from the Sharia perspective is not allowed, right? But again, this is the lesson that Allah is teaching us. That even in cases of what we perceive to be the most heinous crimes against individuals or against societies or against humanity, there is wisdom behind it. And even though we don't know it right now, eventually we'll come to know of why it occurs. If it's not going to be in this world, it'll be in the hereafter, but we'll most certainly know. And of course, in that situation, we know that that child would eventually grow up to become disobedient and would potentially lead their parents to kufr. So what good would it be if the child is in kufr and the parents are in kufr 
And as a result, both of them have to spend eternity in Jahannam, never seeing each other again. But at least if the child's life is taken away under, the, under age, where they're no longer questioned, now the parent and the child and all of them can enjoy eternity in Jannah together. So the story of Kahaf is, it establishes this idea for us that look, we as human beings know nothing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all. And while at times it may be difficult for us to accept certain things that Allah has put upon a community or upon us as individuals, it may be difficult for us to accept it. We recognize that He's the master planner and He's the ultimate designer of everything. He, he continues in the text, There was one companion who, upon suffering a broken leg, عنه, succumbed to sadness and grief. Shortly after his injury, the incident between Muawiyah and Ali anhuma, may Allah be pleased with them, took place. Right? So the, the incident Muawiyah and Ali, and there was a little bit of a scuffle that occurred, and it was a difficulty on the ummah. This required that the Sahabi choose a side in the ensuing battle. The companion excused himself from both sides due to his injury. Subsequently, both sides accepted his excuse, and the companion became extremely happy with his injury and suffering. And he would go on to say, All thanks to Allah who purified my hands from this blood through the injury in my leg. Right? SubhanAllah. This is the approach that he's having to, you know, uh, uh, to, to a significant injury. So, the Qur'an is filled and filled with stories about difficulties and tribulations that have to occur to people for some benefit for either themselves or for humanity. It's loaded with them. Musa and Khidr establishes the principle but then the rest of the Qur'an goes through story after story after story after story of this exact concept. That Allah Ta'ala puts people or individuals or communities through trial and difficulty. And on the other end, we see its benefit. And Allah Ta'ala often relates it in the Qur'an. So he says, uh, Hakim al-Ummah says, I swear to you, if people were to reflect over the divine wisdom and the benefits of hardship and suffering, they would realize that many of its benefits are reaped in this very world. Look, yesterday we talked predominantly about the benefits that come from tribulation in terms of our akhirah, in terms of purification of the heart, in terms of purification from sin, in terms of not dealing with trial in the hereafter, and in terms of earning a very high station in the hereafter, right? Those are rewards for the akhirah. And Ibn Ata'illah, he's a very famous scholar who's commented on the wisdoms behind this, and he says that the reason that Allah Ta'ala has done this is because it wouldn't be sufficient for Allah to try to, no, I shouldn't use the word try, for Allah to reward us in this limited world. The reward of the Sabirin is so great that if we were to receive that reward in some form here, it wouldn't be sufficient. I mean, what good is it that, you know, we reward, we're rewarded with food and we eat pizza, we enjoy the first slice, and if we try to eat 10 slices, it's no longer enjoyable. You give someone ice cream, they love that first scoop, and you give them 10 scoops, and they say, no way. Because there's limited opportunity to experience happiness and reward in this world. The Sabirun's reward is so great, he says, Ibn Ta'ala says, that Allah Ta'ala has reserved that for the hereafter so that He can actually treat us for what we deserve. He can actually treat us. It would be useless for that to occur here. That said, he says, that there is benefits that come from hardship and suffering, and, we, and, and Allah Ta'ala has revealed reveals those to us even in this world, the Arifin appreciate this and recognize this, but even us, we can appreciate this as well. And I'm going to give a few examples here. So, uh, that come from the Qur'an. We mentioned the, the principle of, of, of kahf and uh, the concept being established. If we look at the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, 
Yusuf as a child goes, undergoes hardship after hardship after hardship. And anyone would wonder, why would it, how is it fair that a child has to go through this degree of difficulty? Number one, jealousy from brothers. Number two, being thrown into a well. Number three, being picked up from a well and, uh, and sold off into slavery. Number four, being imprisoned because of a false accusation against him. I mean, this is a young person under the age of 16, 15 going through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty, and every human being would say, this is just not fair. It's not fair for one child to have to go through suffering. It's not fair. But what do we see that happens as a consequence in the life of Yusuf about this? Obviously, he himself becomes a treasurer and all this happens, but think about it. it the result of Yusuf salam's difficulty provided for the afia and the wellness of thousands of other children. Meaning, if it wasn't that Yusuf went through this difficulty, he wouldn't have been able to reach the state of becoming the treasurer of Egypt. And if he wasn't the treasurer of Egypt, he wouldn't have been able to design this idea of preserving food for an extended period of time so that people could eat for, during the famine. Which means, and, and which means that the lives and the well-being of thousands of children that lived at that time would have been at risk would have been at risk had Yusuf not had to go through that difficulty as a child. Meaning, Allah Ta'ala chose one child to go through difficulty for the purposes of benefiting thousands of other children. We just don't know. We just don't know Allah's plan. You know, um, there, there's so many examples of this. Aisha radiallahu anha went through an extreme difficulty mentioned in the Qur'an, where she was accused of essentially uh, having uh, intimate relations with another companion. An extreme difficulty that Allah Ta'ala narrates in the Qur'an in Surah Nur. And you would wonder, why should someone who we know is, so, is close to Allah and is a wife of the Prophet have to go through this difficulty? Of all difficulty, this is the difficulty she has to go through. right? But we, we see the benefits that come from even this difficulty. That as a result of this difficulty, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala spoke up for her in the Qur'an. And he defended her honor when no one else, even the Prophet ﷺ had kept silent in this incident. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke up for her. And as a result of her having to go through this difficulty, we now know how to deal, we now know two things. One, how to deal with this particular sin. But number two, we know how, um, uh, we, we know the, uh, the wrong that's associated with ever falsely accusing a woman of doing something wrong. We know how extreme of a problem this is in deen. But it was because she had to go through this difficulty so that the rest of the ummah could learn. Look at Hudaybiyah. Look, this is, the, this is the perfect example of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum thinking one way when, they, when they, they got their ihram on and thought now is the time for us to finally return back from Medina to Mecca and we're not intending to take over the land. We just want to go and perform the umrah. And it was totally in their right to do so. And then when they arrive in Hudaybiyah, now they are basically turned away from this. And the Sahaba عنهم, who have full tawakkul in Allah and every single thing that he does, and the Messenger are now phased by this and say, How, why? Why is it, are we not, Umar says, are we not in the right here? Why are we having to withdraw here? Why are we having to, to give up here? Meaning, is it, this is akin to us, you know, being fully deserving of something and yet still not getting it. How many times in our life do we feel we're fully deserving of something, we don't get it? We're fully deserving, we have straight A's, our GPA is great, we have a great ACT score, and we get turned away by the university of our choice. You know, we have an excellent CV, we have great experience, and the dream, dream job that we wanted to have, we say, we're told no. 
You know, we uh, had this amazing vacation planned. We got all the tickets booked. We got the visas in hand. We arrive at that country and we said we're not allowed to come in, right? And then we wonder, what kind of injustice is this? And we realize from Hudaybiyah, Hudaybiyah had to occur, meaning the Sahaba had to be suppressed in this way. Why? So that the conquest of Mecca could then occur in a few years. Had it not been for Hudaybiyah, things would have been completely different. It was the opportunity of t t telling the believers at that time, let's go back, increase our numbers, become stronger, and then when we come back, we'll actually come back for good. This was Allah's plan. Fathun Qareeb. Uh, it, it, it required this state of compression for all of these people, for Maryam, for Yusuf, for Yunus السلام, for Aisha for the Sahaba as a whole. It required this period of qabd, which means compression. This is a, a term that's used by the ulama who explain difficulty and calamity. It required a period of qabd in order for bust to occur. There had to have been a contraction in order for there to be ease. And that ease is far greater than any of us could imagine. You know, for a, a woman who's pregnant, for instance, uh, when the child ha is having to come out, there's periods of contraction and ease and contraction and ease. And it's only when those contractions fully kick in and occur that they experience that period of ease after the child is delivered to the point where they're just so relieved. It's like this openness that descends upon them. And life is the same way. We go through periods of constriction and then uh, and space. And constriction and space. And, in, and the greater the constriction, the greater the qab, the greater the difficulty and the greater the tightness we experience, it's only the greater the bust that we'll experience as well. So let me just read this again. I swear to you, if people were to reflect over the divine wisdom and the benefits of hardship and suffering, they would realize that many of its benefits are reaped in this very world. If we Very world meaning we don't have to wait. For the akhirah, we'll get our reward. But in order to us to understand the wisdoms, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed it in such a way that oftentimes even in this world we see it, we just have to be patient. If we go back to the interactive session that we did yesterday for the brothers and sisters that were here, Many of us have already had that experience. We went through something five or ten years ago, and, and subhanAllah, we, now, we then see the, the benefits of it later. Rather, we look upon it as a divine gift. So now that we have had our own experiences with difficulty, moving forward, we should think that, look, if Allah has given this to me, let me accept it. Let me stop fighting back. Let me stop act, asking why. So much of the struggle is associated with questioning the problem itself rather than actually um, than the problem itself. Meaning, I face a bigger struggle wondering why this happened to me, and why me, why me, why not anyone else? Or why me, why me, why now, why not some other time? That that becomes a source of suffering for us, rather than just accepting it. Um, so bringing, you know, we're out of time, but bringing back this into our own life, you know, there's so many examples of this, and if we accept that Allah Ta'ala is the master designer and planner of things, and He's given us so many examples in the Qur'an, I mean, SubhanAllah, it's almost as if the Qur'an is written to describe to us the difficulties of other people and the good that came from it. That's how many times it comes in the Qur'an. Um, bringing it into our own life, there's so many things that just don't go our way. They just don't go our way. But they were never supposed to go our way. We've assumed that we have some control, but we really don't have much control. So... You know, practically speaking, if someone doesn't get the dream job that they were thinking of, or the interview doesn't go well, even though they prepared or they didn't get the position, 
who knows? I mean, it's possible that, that two years from now that company would have tanked and it would have been a disaster for us. It's possible that company would have had to relocate to a different city. And now me, my family, my children, we all have to go and relocate and, and, and leave the community that we're so attached to. We don't know. We just don't know. You know, if we get involved in a motor vehicle accident or in a car accident, we don't know the benefit. I mean, it's possible that if I didn't get hit by this car right now, a half a mile down the road, if I continued, there would have been a bigger car accident and I would have been killed. How do we know that this accident didn't protect me from a bigger one that was just going to happen a few minutes later? And, and I, I use the example of, a, of a losing a child. May Allah, you know, never have any of us really have to experience it. And, and, if, and, if, and if he does, that we do it with patience and sabr. But even that, as extreme as, it, as, a, as a difficulty it is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. We don't know that if, if a child is lost, we don't know what that child is going to become later. What if that child became uh, a kafir later? And, and as a result, and passed away as a kafir. Now we'd never, although we were separated, you know, th that means that after that child passed away and we passed away, we would never really be able to experience the joys of being with that child again. But if Allah Ta'ala takes that child away from us before that difficulty had to befall that child of kufr, at least we'd all be in Jannah together for the rest of our lives. Yes, it's difficult. I'll be, I'll be separated for 10 or 15 or 20 years. But it'd be better for me to be separated for a short 10 or 15 or 20 years than for me to have to be separated for all of eternity. If that child is in Jannah, I can be in Jannah with them. We don't know the wisdoms that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has for the things that come our way. We are so, um, we're so used to thinking cause and effect, but we don't realize that Allah ta'ala ultimately is fa'il haqiqi. Um, um, and then the final point. He mentions here the author, the, the translator. Here I wish to mention the summary of a treatise authored by Sheikh Izzuddin ibn Abdul Salam for the benefit of the respected readers entitled The Book of, Cal uh, uh, the Book of Calamities, Tribulations, Hardships, or Disasters. This is a very famous book written by an Egyptian scholar um, from the 6th century, I believe, uh, Izzuddin ibn Abdul Salam. Uh, and he highlights 17 benefits of tribulations and trials. You can actually find the book. I have a copy and uh, I, I meant to bring it. But I can have you. I can pass it around and have, uh, and, and we can put it on the sister side also. But uh, he lists them here uh, in, the, in this text, the 17 benefits, which um, you could read at your own time, inshallah. Uh, but all of these really are a talk of their own. Uh, but this is a very, very useful resource uh, if anyone's uh, interested, inshallah. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us uh, the ability to to handle trials and tribulations according to what's pleasing to Him, and Allah subhanahu wa taala allow us to appreciate the wisdoms behind all of, behind every single thing that He does. Uh, we'll inshallah take uh, questions uh, on note cards from the sisters for a few minutes before we wrap up. If we can pass it under, inshallah. Um, okay, so there's a question here. Um, we have college and high school children coming home with peer pressure and constantly feeling why do they have to go through such hardships and feel like they have a restricted and worse life compared to their peers' advice. Uh, this is a general question, I think, uh, about in general how to approach children that are dealing with a difficult environments, especially in school and things like that. And uh, there's so many layers to it. But, um, you know, I, I will say that uh, it's important for us to um, create the right environments for our children. So uh, this is a very detailed answer. Okay, so there are some hardships that we bring on to ourselves. And many a times, we as families bring difficulties on ourselves. And they come in different ways. One is through sin. That's very clear. Uh, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, ما أصاب فبما كسبت أيديكم كثير. Allah Ta'ala says that a difficulty does not come upon person. Musibah is being used here. Musibah in Arabic, um, أصاب يصيبو, it means to strike a target. 
So many places in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala will talk about ma asaba min musiba. Ma asaba min musiba. A musiba does not come except that this occurred. And musiba is something, uh, it's interesting. Musiba is something, it's, if you were to target something, you know, you hunt, it, it, that's the definition of something that's a musiba, meaning something that is exactly destined to fall upon something. It's a target. Musiba is a target. So, when one we learn, when Allah Ta'ala talks about musiba in the Quran, it's specifically designed for us. It's specifically designed to target us. Meaning if Allah Ta'ala sends a difficulty my way, it, it, there's no way it could occur to anybody else. This was destined for me. It didn't accidentally, the raindrop didn't accidentally fall upon the wrong person. So the word musibah comes many places in the Quran. And in one description is, From the wrong that we do with our own hands. So in general, it's important for us as families to work on the purity that's within the home and within our children. Meaning if we see that our children are um, involved in sin, or we ourselves are involved in sin, we can expect that in and of itself to bring hardship upon us. The hardship can be in the form of dunyawi calamities. It could be in the form of psychological calamities. Many of the difficulties that youth, high school, teenagers, and college-age kids experience today is depression and anxiety. It's very common. And there's many reasons for this, but one of this is because we are, have surrounded ourselves with sin. And the more we are able to create an environment of purity within our homes and within our children, the less of an issue this will become for us. I'm not saying that we're going to eliminate it, but less of an issue that, that, that will become from us. So that, and the other thing is, is, is the, the, we should ask ourselves what connection, connection we have with our children anyway that they're experiencing these hardships. Meaning, what I mean by this is, um, how do I say it? You know, children are enticed by the things that they see outside. So, for instance, if I'm at school and all my friends are talking about how amazing their recent Cedar Point trip was, and my parents are not taking me to Cedar Point, um, you know, they're going to wonder why is it that I never have any fun, my friends have all this fun. Um, if a child sees on Instagram all of these amazing pictures of all the fun things that, that non-Muslims do, and they come home and say, why is the deen so restrictive, we never do anything fun, uh, naturally it's going to create this distaste toward deen in their hearts. This is the, the nature of young people. If they see that my friend had this amazing sweet 16 birthday party and you guys didn't even really acknowledge it, they're going to wonder, like, why, why are we such boring people? Why, why do other people have it so great and we don't have it as, as fun? That doesn't mean that we have to succumb to all of those things, but that means that we have to create those very similar opportunities for our youth today, is what I mean. So maybe, maybe the birthday party isn't something that we want to do that's going to be elaborate and extravagant. But that means that we should celebrate something else that they've accomplished. It could be a graduation. It could be some, uh, some, something in the Qur'an. If somebody finishes the Qur'an, we should throw a huge party for them. It's the, the child wants to be appreciated and they want to enjoy things. And the deen has created opportunities for that to occur. You know, um, so uh, I know this is, a very, this is a very detailed question. But in general, we should create... Number one, we should make sure we should uh, remove sin from our household as much as possible. And number two, we should try to celebrate things in life and create opportunities for excitement for children because what they're seeing on the other end looks a lot brighter and better. Even though it's not, it's all a lot of it's fluff and a lot of it's just what people are displaying online and social media, which is its own discussion. But still, we should make it a point to celebrate things in our own kids' lives, and that that will go a long way, inshallah. I know this doesn't directly deal with hardship, but there's no way for me to address this without going into a two-hour discussion. Are there any other questions from the sister side? Okay, this is a good question. I'm going to touch on it, and then we'll cover it more tomorrow. 
Can we make dua that Allah doesn't test us with difficulties and at the same time try our best to remain grateful by seeking forgiveness and doing good? Very good question. Because so f- someone asked this yesterday, I think, to me. Uh, the question is, you know, well, if there's so much benefit that can come from trial and tribulation, I would think, why wouldn't I just ask for this from Allah? If my station and my rank can be increased, if uh, you know, my sins can be purified, etc. I- I'm going to try to explain this in the best way possible. Number one, um, the, the reason that we don't make di- du'a for calamities and difficulties is because we are weak human beings and weak servants of Allah. We shouldn't ask Allah for difficulty. Ultimately, what we want is Allah Ta'ala to just take us and put us in Jannah and not test us and trial us either in this world or in the hereafter. So the Prophet ﷺ taught us to ask for afiyah, not for ibtila. There's a hadith. There was a companion at the time of the Prophet ﷺ who was very old and weak and feeble and he was like, you know, skin and bones type thing. So the Prophet went and visited him and he asked what happened. And he said, I asked Allah Ta'ala to purify me from, the, from, from sin and, and the difficulties, that, from, from, from my sin and my own wrongdoing. From my, in the sense of, you know, give me difficulty in this world so that I can become purified. So as a result, this person had become very sick and ill and almost on their deathbed. The Prophet ﷺ said, you shouldn't have made dua for Allah Ta'ala to purify you. You should have made dua for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala's, uh, for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to give you afiyah. So in general, we should ask from Allah Ta'ala for wellness and well-being. We never ask for difficulty and tribulation because we uh, are weak servants of Allah. And if Allah Ta'ala chooses to give that to us, we'll go ahead and accept it. And we'll go ahead and exhibit sabr through it. Okay? So... Um, Ultimately, Allah Ta'ala knows who we are. And by us asking Allah Ta'ala for difficulty and calamity, it's as if we're telling Allah, bring it on. I'm a strong servant of yours and I can handle this. We can't handle it. Right? I mean, we, if Allah Ta'ala gives it to us, that means He's giving it to us in, in a way in which we can handle it. But in general, we ask for wellness and afiyah, and that's the attitude, and that's what's taught to us by the Prophet So we should not, we should not ask for Allah Ta'ala to test us. Um, and... Uh, I don't know if I would be able to have a special type of sabr for trials. I pray for afiyah and I don't get tough trials. Is this selfish? Absolutely not. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We ask that Allah Ta'ala grant us afiyah in this world. And then we also ask that, Ya Allah, if you ever choose to give us difficulty, that you grant us the ability to bear it with proper patience. That's the dua that we make. The Ya Allah, we ask for wellness and afiyah and comfort and health and wealth so that we can serve you and worship you the way you deserve to be served. And if Allah, you ever choose to give me difficulty, please allow me to, to receive it with patience and, be allow, be, uh, and allow me to receive the reward with patience. Look, the reality is there are people whom Allah Ta'ala sends trials to and they fail them. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Right? There are people who Allah Ta'ala sends a trial to and now all of a sudden they've lost their iman altogether because they questioned Allah and things like that. There are people who Allah Ta'ala sends trials to and, uh, um, and, uh, and, as and rather they become closer to Allah, become, they become distanced from Allah. Um, there are people... Anyways, so the point is that we should, um, uh, we should ask Allah Ta'ala for assistance when trials and tribulations come our way. We'll talk a little bit more about the response to a tribulation what, once it actually comes, what the response of the believer should be, and what, are this, what, what should our uh, mindset be, what should our uh, approach be, what should our actions be. We'll talk about that, inshallah, tomorrow.